Our reading this morning is taken from Colossians, Paul's letter to the Colossians, chapter 1, from verse 15, and it is on page 1182. Paul writes, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross." Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Amen. Thank you, Paul. Um, Just a way of introduction. There's a couple of things to to tell you about. One is um, this book um, that accompanies our series at the moment, um, Colossians and Philemon, Colossians for you. Um, it accompanies the series. We've got some copies. They're about eight pounds at the back. Please do um, get one if that's helpful for you um, to accompany the series. And we have these little uh, books of Colossians and Philemon. Um, they're for journaling. So they have lots of blank pages. You can scribble, underline, draw pictures, however helps you to um, engage with God's words. Just wanted to remind you of those things. But Please do keep your Bible open at Colossians um, chapter 1. I can't remember the page number, but uh, Colossians chapter 1. Let me pray. 1182. Thanks, Anders. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We um, thank you for this rich and deep passage before us. We pray... Uh, By your spirit, you will help us to see Jesus more clearly and to see how he affects and changes our lives. We ask this in his name. Amen. The title I've given this this sermon is on the screen. Uh, The next slide, thanks, Edmund, um, is... Um, born supremacy, and it's really taken from 
uh, some films. If you're a film buff, you'll get to, you'll know the reference. If it, if you don't, have never seen the Jason Bourne uh, films, then it will be meaningless to you. But this, the title is Born Supremacy. Born Supremacy. And we're going to start by thinking a little bit about that uh, from these verses. Verse 15 says that the Son, talking about Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And there's a lot of language in here about creation. Um, But what does it mean for Jesus to be the firstborn over all creation? Because you could hear that and you could jump to the conclusion that somehow Jesus um, was just created first, that he is the firstborn of creation. And that's not what it means at all, actually, because the emphasis here in firstborn over all creation is over is on the over, firstborn over all creation. And that's really, really very important. In other words, everything that was created, he is over it. Jesus is over it. Um, In fact, everything that was created was created by him, Uh, meaning he himself was not created. Jesus was with God and is God in the beginning, you know that, that uh, famous passage from John chapter 1. Or as we sing at Christmas in the carol, uh, uh, O come all ye faithful, begotten, not created. Talking about Jesus. Well, what does it mean for him to be called firstborn? Well, firstborn, um, who's a firstborn here? Is anyone a firstborn? Joanna's a firstborn. There's a few first. Well, if you were in the first century uh, and you were the firstborn, that meant you got everything from the father. Okay? So that would have been good, wouldn't it? But if you're like me, thirdborn, I don't know what you get if you're the thirdborn, probably clip behind the ear or something. <laughs> you're not allowed to do that anymore, are you? Um, but uh, uh, firstborn, um, that's what it means. Um, uh, the firstborn got all the wealth of the father, got all the, the, the status, all the standing, all the power, all the, all, all that was, that came from the father belongs to the son. That was the firstborn, equal with God. And so Colossians is saying Jesus is uncreated. Um, he is beginningless. He is the creator. He is equal to God. And if you look down at verse 19, it says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. It's not that just that Jesus is fully God. It is that, it is that God is fully Jesus Christ. It's the other way around as well. And this is really, really big. It's so big, it's so massive, this, this statement here in Colossians. Um, because Jesus is absolute supreme over all, and that's where it finishes in verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, talking about the resurrection, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Jesus is born supreme. And sometimes we, we miss this. Somehow, um, if we've been Christians uh, for a long while, we can easily just let it wash over us. 
Um, and we know that feeling, don't we, that we sometimes know it, but we, we forget its impact on us. Um, I, I was thinking about this uh, a week ago, and it reminded me a little bit of when, um, as a student, um, I worked on a pig farm for about eight weeks. And I can quite honestly say it was one of the worst eight weeks <laughs> ever. I didn't really enjoy it. And I come from a farming background, but pigs, ugh, the stench was awful. It used to stick to my clothes, to my hair, uh, to everything. It just seemed to get everywhere. It was grim. And, um, but the thing about, about it was that about a week later, um, after I'd been working it, I just, I just didn't notice it anymore. It, it was as if, it, as if I couldn't smell it anymore. I'd got so used to it. And then, of course, I'd go home, perhaps at the weekend, and my mum and dad would go, you stink! <laughs> and, and then it became evident to, to me again uh, how shocking it was. And it is amazing, isn't it, how the human heart has that same way of filtering the impact of this verse, these verses on us. Because they are so big. And we need, we need to sort of wake up and smell them again. Not as pigs smell, but really smell what they mean. Jesus is God. The supreme being before all time. Verse 16. For in him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers, rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. We're created for him. Everything in creation is created for Jesus. Now just let that sink in for a moment. How massive that is. How important that is. And I want us to just see it, perhaps for it, to apply it in three areas. And these three areas, like like all good preachers, begin with R. <laughs> it's just the way we work. <laughs> um, and the first one of these, um, as you can see, life needs to be reordered, reordered by Jesus. If you look with me here at verse 17, see what it says. It says, he is, that's Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things hold together. In Jesus, all things hold together. So if you think about it, what happens, what happens without Jesus? What happens without Jesus? Everything falls apart, doesn't it? Everything falls apart. The, the world, you and me, without Jesus, we move to disorder. Um, if you think about it in terms of Genesis chapter 1, um, when God created, creation was from a place of disorder to order, wasn't it? It was a, from a place of chaos to calm. That's what we read in Genesis 1. And yet because of sin and our rebellion, everything has a tendency now to move back to disorder, and whenever Jesus Christ, where, wherever Jesus Christ, who is creator, comes down into a person's life, into your life, if you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, um, into a person's 
disordered life because of sin, then everything um, changes. Everything has to be reordered, hasn't it? It's got to be reordered. I hope that kind of makes sense here. If Jesus is supreme. If Jesus um, was just a man, you know, just a, a kind of a, a good teacher, a good moral teacher, a, some kind of guru who, who'd said some, um, some sort of moral things, there would be, therefore, some limits, wouldn't there? If that was all he was, there'd be some limits to the way he could impact your life. Um, but as a creator, before time... You have to, we have to accept, don't we, that there are areas in our lives, there is no area in our life that is therefore can be off limits to him. There's no area. You know, any, any views you have, any convictions, and, uh, any habits, behaviors, any relationships would become open to him being reordered. Because in him all things hold together. And without him, you're going to fall apart. That's the reality. And we, we know that, don't we? We, we know we're, without Jesus, we, we can fall apart. Um, let, imagine it like this. Imagine, um, let's think about it like this. Imagine you have a close friend and they were dying. And you bring your friend to the doctor. And the doctor says, oh, you, you, uh, you are going to die but I can cure you, but there's one thing that you need to do to keep you alive uh, for the rest of your life. Um, you can never eat chocolate again. <laughs> okay? Imagine that. That was the one thing. And you um, uh, turn very excited by that fact because you think, oh, your friend, it, this is going to be wonderful news to them. And your friend says to you, uh, what? No chocolate? <laughs> no way! You are mad! I can't possibly do that. Now, people often come to Jesus, sense something of their need um, for him. Perhaps it's need for purpose, need for, for meaning. But then say things like, and, and maybe people have said this to you, they say it to me, I, I've actually heard, I've heard a rumour. Um, I've heard that if I become a Christian... Um, I can't do this and I can't do that. Um, I can't be this or I can't be that. And if that's true, then um, there's no way. I, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I'm not open to that. But think about it for a moment. What does the supremacy of Jesus say in that situation? If you, if you think about it, if, if he, he's the God of perfect freedom the source of truth and of beauty, if through him all of his glory and his wisdom and power can pass into you so that you would run and not grow weary, that you would walk and not faint, that his love would endure forever in your life. If this is Jesus, is the creator and sustainer of life who can reorder your life, how can there be anything that's off limits to Jesus. They can't be, can they? He's supreme. We could never say, no way, forget it, you're mad to Jesus, could we? But so often we do do that. 
And whether it's in areas of wealth, money, sex, relationships, um, chocolate, gluttony, whatever it might be, wherever, whatever it is, you see, yeah, you cannot know the absolute who is supreme by absolutizing everything else in your life. Um, if anything else is supreme in your life, you can't know the supreme one because Jesus is number one. We sang it earlier. You see, there are all in us areas in our lives that we have to grapple with, isn't there? In, our, uh, in mine, in yours, there are things in our lives that we call that are actually supreme, ultimate things. You know, the things that where we say, I must have this, I have to have that. If Jesus comes into your life, he can't just be a supplement and an addition to your life. He has to be right at the center. He has to be supreme. He has to be number one. He is the creator God. You were created by him and for him. I don't know what those areas in your life are. Jesus is the supreme being. He created you, and he wants to come into your life and to reorder your life around him because you're created for him. If you want to know who you are, know Jesus because he's the one that created you for him. If you don't think you know who you are, know the one who's created you because he's going to know you, and he can reorder you. So that's the first area, the supremacy, born supremacy, to reorder our lives. The second thing, and we've talked a bit about this already, um, is that comes into our life, needs, our lives need to be then reconciled by Jesus. And uh, if you look with me at verse 19, it says, through him, Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And this is what we were talking about before, wasn't it? Um, You see, without Jesus, just as we are disordered, without Jesus, we're actually at war. Who are we at war with? We're actually at war with God. Um, That might surprise you, you might not feel that you're particularly at war with God. But that's what it says here, isn't it? Verse 21. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. You see, without Jesus, we are by nature his enemies. Um, He's the one who's made us and sustains us But we've rebelled against him. We've turned our backs against him. We've gone our own ways. We've said, shove off, God. I don't need you. I can live my own way without you. We all um, think and want to believe that the world is a wonderful world, like Louis Armstrong sang. We want that, don't we? But the truth is, if we're honest, we know inside us and in the world, we know that is not the case, that we actually turned our backs on God and we've rebelled against him. And if you think about it, you're rebelling against the supreme being, <laughs> the supremacy, the one who is born supreme. What was it that Boris um, Johnson said to people as he was growing up? Um, 
Are we allowed to still use Boris Johnson? <laughs> Is he yesterday's news? Boris Johnson said growing up, I want to be world king. Have you heard that? That's what he wrote, I think, in a journal. He wants to be world king. And we say, oh, that's just Boris Johnson. But actually, you know, the truth is we're all like that. I'm like that. I want to be in charge, rule my own life, go my own way. I want to be world king. But you know what? There's only one person, and he's got that job already. His name's Jesus Christ. And so we live in this state of being separated from God without peace. We're cut off from God, cut off from relationship with him. Uh, And it separates us. It separates us uh, from the very one who's created us, who knows us and has created us for him. And therefore we have this sense of futility, this sense of, of confusion, a search for who we are, our identity, a hunger for spiritual purpose, for, for, for all kinds of things, which is common, and it's been common throughout ages, and you can read about it in literature and see it in art, generation after generation. For being God's enemies, we're actually under his judgment, separated from him, uh, ultimately on the day, on a final day, that will become permanent. That's a sobering thought, isn't it? But now, and if you look with me in verse 22, these words of but now come with such relief and such good news to us, because Jesus is the one who comes to reconcile us. It says, verse 22, some of the favourite verses in the Bible, but now, He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Isn't that amazing? I just think that's the best news in the world. It's brilliant. What has Jesus done on the cross? Jesus has died for us. Jesus was treated as if if he was us so that we could be treated as if he as if we were him. Let me just illustrate this to you. Um, you may have seen this illustration before, but I find it really helpful to understand um, visually uh, what Jesus has done reconciling us on the cross. If you think about this hand on the left being Jesus, and you think of this hand being us, and if you think of a triangle and God being at the top, um, uh, this, by, this, not, this, this book represents our sin and our rebellion and that rebellion and sin separates us from God we're here and we we can't know God because of our rebellion and sin and yet here's Jesus who's is perfect who's supreme and God's son and what does he do on the cross on the cross Jesus takes all that sin and rebellion on himself the consequences of that is God's wrath And he dies for us in our place on the cross so that what? We can go free. We can have a relationship with God the Father. It's truly amazing. It's truly God's love to us that he does that for us, that he takes upon himself our sin and death. And that's how he reconciles you and me. The Bible 
says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not die but have eternal life. You know, our love, human love, um, tends to be aroused by something in the object that we have love towards. It might be a, a quality of theirs. It might be a personality. It might be that they looks, a sense of humor. That's what we, we tend to love in that way. But God's love is, is actually quite different. It's extraordinary in that it has been given to people like you and me uh, who have done nothing to deserve it. There are actually, in God's sight, unlovely in a way that we don't deserve it and yet he loves us he still pours out his love to us on the cross those who are his enemies the bible's word actually for this love is grace that's what grace is it's undeserved love that's what he shows us on the cross as he reconciles us by his death that's what he's done for us And then, finally, the implications of Jesus being born supreme is life needs to remain in Jesus. We need to be remaining in him. And that's what the last verse says. It says, verse 23, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you've heard, and that this has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. The words here, the language here, is actually the language of construction. It's a language of building. You don't, doesn't quite come through as much as, as, um, it would in our, in the English language. But it's all about construction. It's about build. Hence, our, our part of our vision is to build. Is to be built up in Christ. To remain in Him. And so uh, Paul tells the Colossians here to remain in Jesus, not to be moved, um, uh, that he is supreme. And because there are hints in Colossians that, that they were beginning to hear other things, uh, different ideas, different thoughts, and we'll hear about that next week, that they were beginning to waver and become a little bit unstable. They were getting a little bit distracted by other things around them. And isn't it easy to get distracted in this world? I find it... I'm one of those people that gets so easily distracted. Um, you know, I can be chatting away, doing something, and they go, oh, there's a plane going across. The- <laughs> That's my- I don't have very good concentration. And I think we need to pray that we, we, remain, we remain in Jesus. We, con- we fix our eyes on him alone so that we don't waver, that we don't get distracted. So there we are, born supremacy, Life needs to be reordered by Jesus. Life needs to be reconciled by Jesus. And life needs to remain in Jesus. Don't get deflected. Let's pray, shall we? Um, God, our Father, uh, we come before you now just wanting to acknowledge Jesus is supreme. Father, we pray that our lives would be reordered by him, that there wouldn't be any area in our life that is not available for him to reorder. We know that's really tough because then we know there are areas that we kind of want to do our, go our own way. We pray, Father, that you will show us and lead us. Father, we pray um, 
that we, well, we thank you that you've reconciled us in Jesus. And I pray for anyone here this morning who perhaps doesn't know that reconciling love of Jesus, um, that they may come to you and be reconciled. Father, keep us fixed in Jesus. Help us to remain in Jesus, not to be deflected or, or distracted. Pray that as individuals, but we pray that as a church. There's so many things that could easily knock us off. We pray, Father, that the good news of Jesus will remain our focus now and always. Amen. Amen.